Amen. Uh, week number two, a series called Come Boldly. And so the title is SOS. SOS, save our ship, right? Dot, 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 dash, 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 dot, dot, dot. Anybody connect with that Morse code? Right? You fly the flags on certain ships and they know from a long way off, you can tell that they're in distress. They need help. And so SOS, God is our help. And Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace so that we can take off our sneakers and just relax and hang out with the Lord. You know, people say, I I just want to go hang out with the Lord. No, we're coming for a purpose. (laughs) We're coming for a purpose that we may obtain something. We may obtain mercy and grace, find grace to help. Grace helps in the time of need. And we're always in a time of need. We're always, every day we wake up, you're in a time of need. You need. James says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. I need more wisdom today than I did yesterday. Tomorrow I'm going to need more wisdom than I did today, right? We're always in a place where we need more. We need more from God, grace, mercy, wisdom. And so we're in a special time right now. If in case you haven't noticed in our nation, we as the body of Christ have a position in heaven with the King of Kings and our feet are on the earth to fulfill his mission. It's not over until Jesus comes back. Can I get an amen? (laughs) It's not over until he comes back. We're not to give up. We're not to uh, be faint of heart and lose heart. We're, we're to continue to do what he's told us to do. He hasn't changed his mind. He hasn't given the earth over to the devil. Hello. Amen. <laughs> we're in a special time of need. A special time of need. There's three... Uh, from what I can see, the three basic areas when we need something. We need something when we don't know what to do. We need something. We don't know what to do. We need something. The second, second place we find that need is we got ourselves in a mess. I'm in a mess and I need some help. I need, it's a special time when we got ourselves in a mess. Uh, Number three, when uh, we need a miracle, when our back is against the wall, when everything that has, uh, everything has turned upside down, inside out, and we're in need of a miracle. Here's Psalm 46. The Lord gave this to me when we were worshiping here. For, Psalm 46, verse 1. God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. You're a proven help in time of trouble. A proven help. How many of you have proved God's help? He's helped you and he's proven himself. He's faithful. He is faithful. God is faithful and he's proven his help. That's why we cry out to him when we, when we need a miracle. (laughs) God, you're such a safe place, powerful place to find refuge and a proven help in time of, of need more than enough, more than enough, and always available whenever I need you. 
We need, somebody say, I need God. God. Yes, you do. Sometimes we don't realize how much we need the Lord. We need him more today than ever before. And that's not an overstatement or an understatement. We need God in our nation. We need a, a revival, an awakening, a manifestation of the power of God like we have never experienced in our lives. Amen. Amen. And so we're looking at prayer. Prayer is reaching out to God. People say, just reach out to God. That's prayer. Someone says, enter into his presence. That's the same thing as reaching out to God. We're coming in order to receive something. And I know sometimes we say, we, we, we just, we just want to be where you are, Lord. We just want, there's nothing that we need. There's nothing that we ask. I understand. We just like to hang out with God. But he says, come boldly into my throne of grace that you may receive mercy, grace to help in time of need. Do you need some mercy, some grace to help in time of need? He's got it for you. But we have to expect. We have to expect. We, it's expectation is faith. Is it, it is a manifestation of faith when you're in expectation. We need to expect. We need to expect. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I've been, there's been some times that I've been in prayer, but I didn't enter into the Holy of Holies. I was kind of in the outer corner, outer, outer court. (laughs) Yeah. Stuck in the back corner. (laughs) And I left that place of what I called prayer with nothing. Uh, that, that didn't do anything for me. It didn't do anything for God either. Right? Because we have to mix our faith with his presence. He will manifest his presence, but it requires our faith to connect with God. We have to connect with him so that we can receive from him. We must connect with God so we can receive from God. It is a faith connection. I believe that God exists, therefore I will approach him, right? And I will be a rewarder of those things that I diligently seek after, right? God rewards those who diligently seek him. And the reason they seek him is because they believe that he exists. This is faith. This is prayer. This is connection. We're not desperately begging God to do anything. It is an act of faith. When we stand before God and we're Father, thank you for more grace, more mercy, because we're in a time of need. That is faith. That is faith. We don't have the answer. We don't know how it's going to happen. We know it will happen. We believe that it will happen, not on my table, not on my timetable, but on his timetable. We have to trust with all of our heart, lean not to our own noggin, our own understanding. You'll never figure it out here. It'll come from here. It's our heart connecting with him. You know, I was in the bookstore the other day. And uh, you walk in now. um, And and it's shocking to me. Because I see all of these books that are not Christian. 
I see this one little section over there that's Christian. Whole section of self-help books. Self-help. 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 Even Christians dip their feet over into the self-help. We can do this. We got this. And the more self-help you study, the more you're pushing God out of your life and the need for God out of your life. I've got this. I can do this. I'm smart enough. I'm bright enough. I follow this person. After all, he's been teaching leadership for so many years. He is the king of leadership. I've got this. Self-help. Where's God? We need God's help. We've been depending. I'm going to say a bold statement here, guys. Check it out to see if it's true. The church in America has been depending on our gifts and talents and abilities way too much for way too long. And we're at a place right now where all of this stuff is being stripped back and shaken off. And are we really going to trust God and stand with God? Or are we going to go with the hip, cool, culture-driven church? <laughs> the cult culture-driven church. Maybe that's a title for a book that I should write. I don't know. The culture-driven church. They set out to change the culture, but the culture changes them because they fail to put the Word above the culture. It's the Word of God that never changes, that changes the culture. Self-help books can only help you so far. You need God's help. I need God's help. We need God's help. We're in a place where we need God's help. James 4, verse 6. James 4, 6 and 8, verse uh, 6 through 8 in the Passion Translation. I know I'm giving our media team some scriptures that I didn't give in my notes, but they're so good they can get, they can get them up on the screen. I have faith in our media team. James James chapter 4 and verse 6. And the Passion translation says, but he continues. Everybody say continues. continues. To pour out more and more grace upon us. Yes. Never get to a place where you think you've got all of God's grace. You need more grace. You need a double dip, <laughs> a triple dip of God's grace. God's grace. Not your ability. If you're going to run in your ability, you're not depending and relying upon God's grace. He continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says, God resists you when you're proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. Now, humble is not beat down. Humble is not this self uh, abasement that, oh, I'm just a worm. Humble, the true meaning of the word humility is to be teachable, pliable, to be in need. I need what God has and only what God has. When we're humble, God continually pours out his grace. And then verse 7 says, so then, surrender to God, stand up to the devil. Amen. Amen. It's time for the church to stand up to the devil. 
<laughs> and don't be intimidated by the world because here's the, the, the closer we come to Jesus coming back, the world is going to be saying to us, the church, you don't like us. Come on, listen. You don't like us. No, we don't like the spirit, the Antichrist spirit behind those that are in the world. We can love the world and hate sin, hate the Antichrist spirit. I got a few less amens that time. Guys, we got to get our marching boots on here. The, the enemy has painted himself in this disguise and said, uh, hey, love me, love me. My Bible says, love not the world, neither the things of this world. Come on, don't leave me now. Either we're going to stand for God. It says, surrender to God. That's humility. We've got to kneel before God before we can stand up for God. But who do we stand against? The devil and resist him and he will turn and run away from us. And so it's time to stand against the evil in this world. And if there's evil, we call it out. Oh, pastor, now you're getting... You're getting bold. They're going to shut you down on YouTube. Go ahead. Shut me down on Facebook too. Shut me down on Twitter too. Shut me down. <laughs> First Amendment. Come on, free speech. Oh, the pastor's not supposed to talk about that. That's, that's politics. Well, that's the problem we're in. Pastors haven't talked about politics. Now I'm, now I'm coming way off my nose, guys. Hold on. That's all right. I'll get back on. Listen. If they take free speech away from us, it's not long before they board up the door and say, you're not allowed. <laughs> Come on. This scripture and the way that the Lord gave this to me is for us to stand up to the enemy. We, we've got to be humble before God. We have to receive, receive his power and strength and his grace and his mercy more and more and more. But we've got to put our army boots on. Spiritually speaking, guys... We're in a spiritual battle for our life right now. But the world's going to try to shut it down and shut it out and go black, meaning, meaning off the air. Just keep it quiet. Don't, don't let... No, no, no. Unity. 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 And half the church is saying, unity. Unity. They want us to change the word of God. And it's been happening in the church. Like, like Jim was saying, it's been happening to our country for years and years and years. It's been happening in the church. There's a secularism in the church. There's a compromise in the church. And I'm waiting for the day <laughs> like John saw uh, last week. I think it was last week or, or yeah, last week when you were doing the transition, when when a bright light is in the back of this building and hundreds of people are waiting to get in. We've got to see, we've got to see people coming to the truth. They've been fed by lies for so long. It might take a little bit of time for the blinders to be, to be taken off their eyes, but it's going to happen. You watch, you watch and see it's going to happen. People are going to flood to churches that preach the truth. Unadulterated truth. Not this mealy mouth, oh, just 
No, we have to speak the truth. If we love, we have to speak the truth. And I know that's, (laughs) some people never got spanked when they were growing up. (laughs) Your parents didn't love you if they didn't spank you. The Bible says, now I'm quoting the Bible. If you love your children, discipline your children. Not beat your children, discipline your children. And I believe that God gave us a little extra padding back there (laughs) with a nerve. There's There's a nerve that's connected from here to here. This is Parenting 101. <laughs> it, the Bible says don't beat your child to, to, to kill them, right? <laughs> but there's discipline. I don't know how I got off way off on that. But <laughs> the, the, the truth is bold. And we can't back down or back off of the truth because it sets us free. It sets us free. And right now, the enemy is binding and blinding and, and taking dominion. It's false dominion over people, blinding the minds of those who walk in darkness. But the light is coming. The light is shining. There's a revival coming, an awakening coming that's going to shine this light. The people are going to wake up and see. People are going to wake up and see. Maybe in the next couple of weeks here. You, uh, united prayer. There were, there's three instances that I want to bring to you today. Three instances that uh, God helped people who needed uh, his divine grace and mercy. Acts chapter 4. Acts 4. Acts 4 was when Peter and John, Acts 3 actually, and then on into 4. But Peter and John were going up to the temple to pray. They saw the man at the gate beautiful who was laid there every day who was lame from his mother's womb. He was lame from a a child. And Peter and John were going up to pray and they saw the man. The man looked at them as if to beg for money. And the man was there every day. Peter and John had gone up there before. You know, you can imagine. It doesn't say all that in the scripture, but you can imagine that this was a, a normal day occurrence, a daily occurrence. And Peter and John said, we, we don't have any money, silver and gold, but what we have, we're going to give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the man jumped up. He was healed and began jumping and leaping and praising God. And the devil doesn't like that. When people get healed, the devil doesn't like that. The devil doesn't like the gospel and he tries to shut it down. And so they grabbed Peter and John and they took them away and brought them before the magistrates and the religious leaders and said, hey, this, uh, these miracles, they remembered. I mean, they remember Jesus did this kind of thing and he started an uproar and we can't have these things happening. We got to shut this down. Right. And so they, they took Peter and John. And um, they took Peter and John. I want to pick up in verse 23. They took Peter and John and they threatened them. And they said, uh, you can't preach in this name anymore. You can't teach in this name anymore. That's called persecution. Peter and John said, you know, hey, whether we obey God or you, I'm going to obey God. And we have a choice to obey you, our God. I'm obeying God. That's right. You're not going to shut us down from preaching Jesus, preaching in the name of Jesus. 
And so they let him go. But they threatened him. If you preach in that name again, if you mention the name of Jesus again, we're going to come lock you up. Not too far off from today, guys. Not too far off from today. In verse 23, Peter and John were let go. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they had heard that, all of them had heard what happened, all the details, they got the facts, right? It wasn't hearsay. They raised their voice to God with one accord. Notice that they didn't make signs to picket. I've, I've said that for years. They weren't fighting flesh with flesh. That's important. If we're going to win in the spirit, we have to stay in the spirit. And the spiritual battle is higher than what's going on naturally. And so we have to fight our spiritual warfare with God's armor on before we do anything in the natural. Come on, somebody. So when they heard all of these facts that Peter and John told them, they raised their voice to God with one accord and prayed. And they said this, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant, David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things and the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ, the antichrist spirit against Jesus for truly against with, uh, uh, your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done now. Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. We are God's servants and we need to boldly speak his word. And then they said, Lord, by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Let me ask you a question. Were they praying for God to shake the building? No. Were they praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit? No. But it happened because they released their faith in God. Their trust in God. Their trust was in God. Not in their power. Not in their might. It's not by our power. It's not by our might. But it's by His Spirit. That God shakes things and fills His body with power and strength. And that's what they needed. Again, let's go back to the point, the big thought of the message this morning. We're always in a place of need. And what we need is God's grace and mercy. More and more of God's grace, more and more of God's mercy. Because he has things for us to do. He, we, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so we can speak the word of God with boldness. And then it says, now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things that he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them. Everybody say, great grace grace. is upon me. me. Do you receive it? 
Now you have to say it, but then you have to believe it. And then you have to receive it. Great grace, more grace. You need more grace. Look at your neighbor and say, you need more grace. We need more grace. We need more grace. The church needs more grace, but we have to receive it. Right? It's not becoming more like the culture. We need to become more like Jesus. <laughs> more grace we need. Because we have a job to do to speak his word with boldness so that God will stretch out his hand and signs and wonders and miracles will be done in the name of Jesus. And if you skip on down to, um, let's see, where are we skipping on down? Acts 5 and verse 12, I'll skip on down because, for the sake of time. This was the fruit of their prayer. Acts 5.12 was the fruit of the prayer that they prayed in Acts 4.23-30. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. So they con continued to be in unity, but they performed through their hands. God performed through their hands signs and wonders. And notice what they prayed back in Acts chapter 4, is that God would stretch forth his hand that signs and wonders would be done. But we have to receive more grace and more help and be God's instruments in this earth that signs and wonders would be, be, be done through our hands. God uses our hands. He uses our mouth. But we need more grace, more mercy, because we're, we need help. We're in a time of need. Are you in a time of need? <laughs> we need God's power. And power comes through unity. Then there's breakthrough prayer. The second point is breakthrough prayer. Peter was in jail. Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Peter was thrown in jail. Again, persecuted by the state persecuted by the government, persecuted by the religious ones that did not want signs and wonders and miracles. They did not want the gospel to be preached. So guess what? We'll just lock up all those Christians, keep them in jail so that we can prevent the truth from getting out that Jesus is alive and well and he's healing people and saving people today. The devil doesn't like it when the gospel's preached and somebody gets healed. The devil doesn't like it. Peter was thrown in jail. Peter was thrown in jail because he believed in Jesus? No, because he was doing something about it. You can hide if you're a Christian. You can deny like Peter did. <laughs> you remember? Peter denied him. But then when Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, he never denied him again. <laughs> he was the bold one that stood up and said, Hey, hey, right? So they threw him in jail. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. During this period, King Herod incited persecution against the church, causing great harm to the believers. He even had the apostle Jacob, John's brother, beheaded. Man, this is like we're reading today. When Herod realized... and. Guys, do you realize that there are being Christians being persecuted and beheaded all over the world today? In countries that are godless? Are we a God-fearing country? 
Do you think that it could ever happen that a Christian would be beheaded in the United States of America? Let's just pause there and let that sink in. Oh, Pastor, well, we don't like to think about those things. We just like to shout the victory. Listen, we've been looking the other way for too, too long. Too long. Nobody wants to stand up and say this. They're afraid. Listen, I'm not afraid of the enemy. I'm afraid of disobeying my father. I have a holy fear and a reverence that I did not obey what God told me to do. Peter's actions landed him in jail. And so the apostle Jacob, John's brother, was beheaded. When Herod realized how much this pleased the Jewish leaders, see the religious people love to persecute the Christians. He had Peter arrested and thrown in prison during the feast of Passover. Sixteen soldiers were assigned to guard him until Herod could bring him to public trial. Like he was going to break away from 16 soldiers. Wow. They were afraid. They were afraid of the truth. They were afraid of the power of God. Hmm. 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 Immediately after the Passover celebrations were over. And then the church went into a season of intense intercession asking God to free him. Notice what the church did not do. The church did not tell God how to rescue Peter. They just interceded. We've got to back away from telling God how to do it. Right? Our hope is not in a person on this earth. Our hope is in Jesus Christ who sits on the throne. It has never been, for me, it has never been about a person who, who is some kind of savior. The last time I read the Constitution, we don't have a king. Come on. A king in America. There's no king of America. (laughs) My hope is in nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Amen. Amen. Jesus is our king. And so we hope in him. We we don't tell God how to do it. We just believe that he's going to do it. We need help because we're in that time of need. And so in Acts chapter 12, verse 6 through 8, God freed Peter. And here's what it says. The night before Herod planned to bring him to trial, just in the nick of time, he made sure that Peter was securely bound with two chains. This guy must have been ripped. Peter was sound asleep between two soldiers, two soldiers, two chains with additional guards stationed outside the cell door. When all at once an angel of the Lord appeared, filling his prison cell with a brilliant light. The angel struck Peter on the side to awaken him. He was sleeping sound and said, hurry up, let's go. Instantly, the chains fell off his wrists. Didn't even say that the angels took a bolt cutter and cut him off. Just fell off. Boom. The angel told him, get dressed, put on your sandals, bring your cloak and follow me. We don't know how God's going to rescue. We leave that to him. But we put our faith and our trust in him. When we humble ourselves, he gives us more grace and more mercy to help in 
time of need. If, you're, if you feel like you're in a prison, chained up, double chained, people guarding over you, watching over you, just wait. God will break, break you free. He'll break you free. He just needs your agreement. He doesn't need you to tell him how to do it. The third one, the third point here this morning. I know it's a lot of scripture, but it's all good. And then we're going to take communion. Earth-shaking praise. Earth-shaking praise. Peter, I'm sorry, Paul and Silas. If you look in Acts, what chapter is that in? 16. Verse 16. Acts 16, 16. I had my scripture here and didn't have the chapter written down. But all three of these points are from Acts Acts 16, 16. One day as we were going to the house of prayer. This is the Passion Translation. We encountered a young slave girl who had an evil spirit of divination. Divination. The spirit of Python. She had earned great profits for her owners by being a fortune teller. She kept following us shouting, These men are servants of the great high God and they're telling us how to be saved. She was telling the truth. Right? Even the devil knows the truth. Day after day she continued to do this until Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit indwelling her, I command you in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, to come out of her now. At that very moment the spirit came out of her. When her owners realized that their potential of making profit had vanished, they forcefully seized Paul and Silas and dragged them off to the city square to face the authorities. I told you the devil gets mad when his kingdom gets interrupted. When his plan is interrupted, the devil gets mad. Is Is there some anger going on right now? That means the devil's kingdom is getting interrupted. And so... They took Paul and Silas, seized Paul and Silas and dragged them off to the city square to face the authorities. When they appeared before the Roman soldiers and magistrates, the slave owners leveled accusations against them saying, these Jews are troublemakers. They're throwing our city into confusion. They're pushing our Jewish religion down our throats. Their Jewish religion down our throats. Wow. What an accusation. (laughs) It's wrong and unlawful for them to promote these Jewish ways for we are Romans living in a Roman colony. Can you see something here, guys? Man, this thing about Christ really agitates people at the highest level. A great crowd gathered. All the people joined in to come against them. The Roman officials ordered that Paul and Silas be stripped of their garments and beaten with rods on their bare backs. After they were severely beaten, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them securely. Probably because Jesus was guarded securely and he rose from the tomb. And Peter, they guarded him securely because they were afraid that he was probably going to break jail. And the angel helped him break jail. So the jailer placed them in the innermost cell of the prison and had their feet bound and chained. Paul and Silas undaunted. They were beaten, bloody. 
probably exhausted, no physical energy, but they were undaunted in their spirit. They, they would not give up. They chose to pray. They prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise to God while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. They didn't whisper. No, it was loud. Suddenly, suddenly, suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. Suddenly. The Lord loves to do suddenlies. He enjoys suddenlies because he gets the credit. (laughs) He likes to do suddenlies. A great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. There it is. God tapping his foot on the earth. Boom. (laughs) Because he liked what they were singing. I guess. Keeping time with them. All at once, every prison door flung open and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. Not just Paul and Silas. God wants to free everybody. Come on. (laughs) God wants everyone free. Startled, the jailer awoke and saw every cell door standing open. Assuming that all the prisoners had escaped, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself when Paul shouted in the darkness, Stop! Don't hurt yourself! We're all still here. Think about that for a minute, guys. Paul had such favor with all the prisoners that he had them stay right there. He had to have said, hey, guys, hold on a minute. Because they were like, what in in the world's going on here? Right? Think about what's going on here. And so the, the jailkeeper comes back in to find out what's going on. And Paul says, hey, we're all here. Don't don't kill yourself. The jailer called for a light. When he saw that they were still in their cells, cells, he rushed in and fell trembling at their feet. Then he led Paul and Silas outside and said, what must I do to be saved? Wow. Wow. God was interested, not just in Paul and Silas, but all of those prisoners, the jailer and his family, and the whole city that this miracle was performed. And that is earth-shaking praise. All because Paul dared to turn around and cast out this demon from a girl. Right? We don't know how God's going to do what he's going to do. And we're not going to tell him. But when we pray and we connect with heaven and our faith is released, God works. God works. God works. 